Amen. We're going to be continuing our preaching with a focus on the family. We started with the totality of life for the Christian is to simply to glorify God. Matthew 5.16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify who? Your Father, which is in heaven. 1 Corinthians 6.20, for you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. This is your footprint for everything you do for God. A greater footprint means greater things you will see and do for God. You're limited by this. We should work on better understanding and expanding the footprint of getting glory to God. I mean, we can say that, but you know, when you boil it down, how how did I really get glory to God? I think it's worth focusing on, it's all all worth focusing on, uh, to find out how we can uh, get glory to God. It's easy for our works to get glory, isn't it? You know, a lot of people will, will thank me for something. They, I don't think they've really seen God necessarily in it. I wonder, and I think, well, you know, that's, that's great, that's nice, and it's good, you know, somebody gives you a compliment, but, but really the point of it is to get glory to God. Ephesians 3.14 says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. I want you to just feel this scripture. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and height. And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory. And listen to what it says. In the church, by Jesus Christ, throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. You know what? I kind of... I'll just tell you, I have a difficulty with people in the... I understand what people want to do, but you know, when you want to give, and you want to give particularly, and you're telling the church how to give, you become the person who's known as the giver to that person. But when you just give to... Glory can come through the church. Now, when it just comes from the church and nobody knows who did it, they give, glory that they give glory to the one who made the church. Okay, you see kind of how this stuff needs to work. It's something we need to really focus on. I suggest it becomes a daily question in the morning. How can I glorify God today? And at the end of that day, evaluating, how did I glorify God today? Perhaps before we make a decision or a response to something, we should ask the question, what will glorify God the most in my response to this. But no matter how we go about it, 
We must make the mantra for ourselves and the mantra for our families to God be the glory. Last week we learned about the uniqueness of every person ever born into this world. That every one of us are individuals created by God with a unique purpose. That the great discovery of self-esteem, purpose, peace, and fulfillment in life, it begins only at salvation. At the time of salvation, the Holy Spirit, God Himself, takes residence in us and gives us the full potential of all that you were created to be. Colossians 3.1 If ye that have been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. We are all individuals with a divine purpose. A purpose that the Holy Spirit that resides in us, that will guide us into the fulfillment thereof, that is to be conformed into the image of Christ. I heard a preacher talking about, he kind of used the, the letters N-I-L, name, image, and likeness, which has come up quite a bit in the sports world with college athletics, and to be paid for that when those things are used. There's one name, image, and likeness we are to have, and that's of Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 26, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. For we, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. Revelation 2.17, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the head and manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written which no man knoweth saving he that receiveth it God sees every one of us every one of us as a special person and important to him there's nobody as important to God as you you need to understand this this will hinder your life if you don't get this There's none like you. God made you. God saved you. God put his spirit in you. God keeps you. And one day he'll give you a stone with a specific name. And only he and you will know what that, what that is. It seems like we'll have a relationship with Christ that is not only special, but also one that is close and dear. Jesus will not come down to make a speech to a crowd. He will come to you as his one and only, as if it's only been you and him. That's special. We need to fully understand the fact that everyone is a unique and special being created by God. We get this right. When we get this right, we will see our, ourselves as we ought to. We will see our wives as we ought to. We'll see our children as we ought to. And we will see others as we ought to. 
only then, only then will we be empowered to do the work of God to give Him glory. Without this proper view, we will have a waste of time comparing and competing. We will set people higher than ourselves while others will look down upon. We will falsely feel sorry for those who are handicapped in life or perhaps begin to feel sorry for ourselves, for our lot in life. You know, in one way, God created us all equal. But in a different way, he created every one of us unequal with a unique set, unique set of abilities and inabilities. Our kids are, my children are familiar with a song called The Ten Unchangeables. One, I am one of a kind. You remember that song, Beth? Okay, I'm going to give you the ten unchangeables. That's your one of a kind. That's the first one. Number two, my mom and dad. You had no choice. That's what you were given. My brothers and sisters, they're the best friends I ever had, it says. Nationality, mental and physical capacity, time and history, the perfect plan for me as a boy or a girl, the order in my family, aging and how we age and the time we die. Everyone, that's particular for every one of us. And God knows it. And God knows how to use it. He knew the timing of it. It's perfect and we need to rely on it. But these first lessons are very basic in thoughts. They are deep thoughts. though. They are deep. We struggle with these. But they're foundational thoughts. Our life is like a house that is built upon these two principles. He is worthy. And we are his creation, individually designed to give him all honor and glory. David said it this way. David got a hold of this. When you say, what, what made David a man after God's own heart? He saw the glory of God. And he knew he, who he was. He says, I'll praise thee, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, that, and, my, and that my soul knoweth right well. He got it. Not many people get it. You can get it if you want. Today's sermon, though, is moving from the groundwork of the building to the foundational walls. 1 Corinthians 3.9 says, For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Today we're going to examine the composition as we look at a building of our foundational walls, the Word of God in our life and family. The title of the message, Pouring the Foundational Walls of the family, pouring the foundational walls of the family. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We're getting to practicality. Oh, God, we, we've, we've dug the depths. We've spread the ground, Lord, of the glory of God and who we are and how we're created to give you glory. And you've made no mistakes in us. And so, Father... I pray now as we set up the foundational walls uh, that you would 
speak very clearly to us and practically in our lives and in our families as, as fathers, as mothers, as children. Lord God, as just people to live for you and speak to our lives, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You have seen it. I think you have all have seen it. Now, ladies, maybe don't get quite as involved in it, but I know my wife and Abby got to see the pouring of some formed walls uh, next door. Um, you've seen it. There's formed walls. There's reinforcement rods called rebar, which maybe you don't see. We're going to talk a little bit about that. They're carefully and strategically placed. A large concrete truck pulling in and several workers. And then the walls filled with concrete. Now that's an oversimplification. But today I want to get that picture in your mind as we consider the pouring of God's word into our family and into our homes like the pouring of the foundational walls of a house. Our foundation walls is the word of God poured into our life to support all the decisions and actions of our life in a most challenging, really God-hating world. Sometimes the content of the concrete we pour comes from life experiences. Listen to what some children ages 8 to 15 have learned through life experiences. Now, kids, you'll pick up on something. I kind of hesitated because it kind of gives you some, some ideas maybe your parents don't want you to know. Although now the parents will know what you're doing. Well, anyway, let's go. Never trust a dog to watch your food. Now, these were ages 8 to 15. When your dad is mad and asks you, do I look stupid, don't answer him. <laughs> Never tell your mom her diet's not working. This one was pretty simple. Stay away from prunes. That was one of the younger ones. <laughs> Never allow your three-year-old brother in the same room with your school assignment. Mm. Puppies have bad breath, even after eating a tic-tac. <laughs> now, maybe you did this one, Joanna. If you want a kitten, start asking for a horse. <laughs> and maybe some of you kids out here, this one might be an Emily one. Felt markers are not good to use as lipstick. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, while we learn lessons from unfortunate common experiences, we and our children will not learn spiritual truth without a teacher. Ultimately, that teacher is the Holy Spirit. John 16, 13, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. But we also understand that God has given human instruments to preach and to teach truth, and he has given us gatherings of people together in places known as the church, where he has appointed preachers and teachers, pastors, and fellow Christians to help to get the word of God poured into our lives. But the responsibility to teach the children and the family rests directly upon the parents, and in particular, the father, and according to Ephesians 6, 4, which says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. How do you do it? 
How do we build strong, formed walls of the Word of God into ourselves and into the family? And I'm glad you asked. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. That's going to be our main text this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And we're going to look, begin in verse 4. Deuteronomy 6, 4. Here. O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Boy, isn't that a good statement? (laughs) And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when when thou wakest up, or when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Now let me just give it to you this way. If you don't fill your family with the Word of God, the world will fill it for you. It's going to be filled with something. I suggest we cram it with the Word of God and leave no room for the world in it. The Humanist Manifesto, published in 1933, and one of the frameworks from which our public education is built upon, states this. We affirm that moral values derive their source from human experience and no theological and need no theological sanction. Basically, our teaching the schools are teaching there's no need for God. That's what they're saying. Now thank God there is some Christians out there and trying to make a difference in that world, but the system itself, oh boy, it's 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 not up for that. Now you may feel feel ill-equipped to teach your children spiritual truth. Pastors can feel ill-equipped to do such a great task as they have been delivered. But we must sit, set our feet back on that solid ground that we already set that God has ordained you. If he has ordained you, he makes no mistakes. His calling is not by ability. You know, Moses struggled with that, and God had to really give it to him hard. It's not about our abilities. It's about if God called us. God's call is his appointing, and what he has appointed, he is equipped to do the job. End of sentence. You need, that's the end of sentence. I'll tell you, I, I can't stand up here and do this job and, or try to rest in this job in my abilities, because I could tell you I just... I, I'd fall apart. I just can't do it. All I can do is trust that God's going to use me somehow because he asked me to. But every appointment comes with required human responsibility that we can do, that is within us. And you're fully capable, but you must choose them. Deuteronomy 6, 5, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in the house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Here is your part, folks. Here is my part. Whatever God's called you to do. If you're a parent... It, you're ordained to do the job. 
Every parent or leader, for that fact, must teach, listen to this, with personal passion. How do you teach something passionately? Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7 begins with a personal love for God. With our heart. Our inner being. This excludes lukewarm or passive measures. With our soul. Life itself, our identity, the core of who we are. With our might. The energy and investment of our service. Might goes beyond available energy. It continues when it's not convenient. When we are tired, we do it anyway. I will tell you that what you show your children with all your heart and all your soul and all your might will teach them spiritually more, way more, than what your biblical knowledge is. Besides that, if your heart, soul, and might is involved in this, the knowledge will grow within you and you will pour it into your children. That will happen automatically. You see, you have to have a passion. On the other hand, if you try to teach your family with what you are not passionately involved with, it will affect your family negatively. Plenty of sources in the Bible, Genesis 19:14, and Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. See what I mean? That he was a poor example. It's what he said, but what he did was different. Proverbs 23 26, Solomon says, My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. And as sincere and intense as that may have been at the time that it was written, it is that Rehoboam, his son, did observe his father's ways and in the end it turned his steps from the Lord. The troubling truth is that your children will have a tendency to follow your example rather than your advice. Passion is wanting to be in the house of God all you can. I'm just giving you a flavor. Passion is getting up when you don't feel like it and reading your Bible and praying. Passion is seeing your plans put aside most every day for the sake of serving God and others. Passion looks for God in everything. It's constant. It involves meditation and continual prayer on a daily basis. That's passion. In addition to teaching your family with passion, you must also add diligence. Diligence is similar to might, but it's slightly different. When you run a long race, there is the strength and the wind that is needed. This is might. But the race must be run at a constant, consistent pace. In other words, you don't sprint, then walk a little like I did when I got in. And, um, I was in seventh grade and was running what are they, across country. I was terrible at it. I'd run, 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 and I'd stop where the trees were. Nobody could see me walk a little bit. And I'd finish at the end with a big sprint, but nobody was there. They were all gone. <laughs> I was last. That's not how you run a race, is it? I've never seen a race run by that method that worked. 
This is the diligence of the race. It's the constancy and consistency of what you do. Deuteronomy 6, 7, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. It just says all the time. At pace. Constant. Ongoing. Your home is to be an ongoing school. Reading your Bible daily with the family, taking them to church, and having family devotion and prayer times to learn together. It is important for dads, especially, to take leaderships in this. Because think of the message you're sending when you aren't. It's a message that God's truth is primarily for women and children. Now here are four ways to make devotions work. Number one, set a time. Make it a routine. You know, there's a reason why jobs have starting times and stopping times. We need that routine. We got to be there, that driven thing. When you've set a time, it drives you toward it and it, you're committed to it. And then it becomes a routine. Routines are hard to make, but they're also hard to break. Number two, start simple. Every one of us have an area of understanding with the Word of God. We, again, we can't fall into, I can't, I'm not able to, and I just don't know as much, I couldn't teach my... No, God says you are to do it. You do it. He, he'll equip you for that. You can make it simple. Like Proverbs is easy enough. One proverb each day, and they're very practical. 31, 31 Proverbs. You can go through one each day. And you don't have to be a Bible scholar. Maybe it's best probably not to, you know. Uh, adults don't do very well with lectures, let alone children. Number three, adjust for your children ages. You know, four-year-olds like acting out Bible stories and puppet shows. But as they get older, the subjects need to move from milk to meat. It may be good to have separate times with the older children. Be creative. When you have mixed ages, perhaps allow the older children to do some of the teaching to the younger. It's the principle and this works of see one, do one, teach one. The older ones will learn quite a bit when they get into teaching opportunities. And by the way, foster a growing, I want you to foster a growing creativity by sharing your thoughts and ideas and fellowship with others in the church. This is kind of what's neat about church and as, as we interact. We just don't come here and leave here. We come here, we're connected. You know, when we have family things and we do something, we can share it with each other, we can trade ideas uh, and, and how to cooperatively, you know, uh, do better with our families. Now getting back to the wall, when you have those concrete walls, I'm, I'm just going to liken that to the, to the parents, to the example, okay? Um, you don't have an example, it falls apart, right? To children, it seems like it's just simple pouring concrete into these, these forms. But down into those forms is interwoven rebar 
in their bent certain ways, tied together. Now, nobody has a big interest in that. Those bars are pretty ugly. Some of them are rusty. They have little knobbies on them. They're not attractive, but they're made for a purpose. This morning, I, I thought of, you know, that's what Brother Mike's doing in the book of Hebrews is he's laying this rebar out that ties all the Word of God together. It's very important. Okay? And so as they get older, you're going to have to get into depths. A concrete wall built without reinforcement may last a little while, but will crumble later. This is what happens when people ask us questions about the Bible, and we have not studied to know, know it and to have answers for it, and we crumble at it. In my observations, in general, the church has really failed in this. I, you know, I've been taught a lot. But by God's grace and by the will of this next generation, you, may it not be in this church. May we have a passion to really teach. It starts out simple, but it grows. And even the down and dirty rebar stuff that ties everything together, you will find is so very, very important. Number four, emphasize application. There's always things that come our way through living that we can apply to Bible teaching. Sometimes it's best to make application in the moment. Don't think everything has to fall on a schedule. You know, as people, we tend to like be over schedulers or under schedulers. There's, you got to have both. Though we should have routine and schedule, don't think everything needs to be on a schedule. Many times the opportunity to teach is off schedule and in the moment. And you know, the Holy Spirit will tell you, stop what you're doing and talk about this. Let them see this. Do that. Don't wait for the scheduled time to do it. Sometimes you just need to do it. Another thing to do is memorize scriptures and especially sing scripture songs. The mind is like a sponge and it absorbs many things. Starting scripture memory early in life is a great way to instill the word of God in the very depths of children's minds and continue memorization all the way through the ages. Now one last focus item is to make God's word conspicuous in your house. Deuteronomy 6, 8, And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. You know, today the Orthodox Jews take this passage so seriously that they make leather uh, pouches with scriptures in them, and they fasten them to their arms and to their head. Now, you may not tie scriptures to your body, but the principle of making the word of God visible in your home is applicable. You know, I dropped by the Yoders to, to pray with them before leaving on their long vacation. I dropped by unannounced, except for I made a little beep because just wanted to warn them. I know how it can feel, you know, and pastor just shows up at your door <laughs> uh, just to give them a little bit of a, a, a warning. But when I went in their house, I saw the Bible sitting on the kitchen table. 
there was crumbs on the floor from the kids eating, hey, you don't need to clean that up for me. That just tells me you live life like everybody else. But do show me that Bible sitting there. A used Bible, a red Bible, not the color red, but R-E-A-D Bible that's being used. I felt like it was, it was important. It was said it was conspicuous in their house. That is precious. You can hang scriptures on and in your house. Not only is it a good thing for your your home and family, it's a strong witness to all others that come in your house. For unsaved relatives or guests, it shows that God's word is important to your family. Put them in every room in the house. And I tell you, when you hang the word of God and you do the word of God, there comes something in your house called the peace of God. And I'm telling you what, I've had people come to my house, unbeknownst to me, and says, I like coming here, there's a peace here, or, so, or something along those lines. That's what, it, that's what your house should feel like. It should, when somebody comes from the outside world, they ought to take note of that. When we were in the pool business, we found the most successful advertising was billboards. They're expensive. More people found us on billboards more than any other means with the exception of probably the word of mouth. But if we advertise God's word and we do what we advertise, it will become word of mouth advertising. The people will take note. Something I found about billboards is that they never change. They start not to be noticed. Like when and the billboard it just stays always up there. You start to ignore it. It becomes like wallpaper or paint in the house. Again, to be creative, to keep scriptures fresh in the house. Maybe change them around a little. Your family will notice a difference and read it afresh. Make a game of it with the children. When you make a change, challenge the children to look for the change. Perhaps give a reward for reciting a verse by memory. Maybe make a verse trade with Others in the church family, you see how we can kind of work together and do together and all of a sudden there's new verses in there. I never saw that one. All of a sudden it's taken note. Also remember to have patience. It is the Holy Spirit that ultimately brings us to salvation. It's ultimately the Spirit that teaches us. Everyone comes to the Lord for salvation at different times and none of us grow at the same rate or at the same time. Do you notice how you, your children grow up? They grow in spurts. And then it seems like they're not growing any good. No. Sometimes they just grow at different rates at different times. We have to exercise patience, but we need to stay diligent as well as we are patient through getting God's word into our children. Now the sum of today's message. The word of God in our home is like the concrete foundation walls. Foundation walls, number one, are carefully placed to support everything above it. You need to have a plan for the Word of God. You just don't throw up walls. you got to have a plan for it. You set it up. Forms are capable of supporting the weight of the concrete. The forms could be compared to you being the example. Without good examples, the pouring of God's word can be futile, just busting out. I don't know if any of you have experienced that. 
where walls just bust out, it's, it's, it happens. And it doesn't take hold in your children's lives. I've seen homes. I'll just tell you, they come to church, but the parents fake. And then I see the children go by the wayside. Inside the walls is a matrix of support members tied together. Structure is like multiple ways to tie the word of God in our hearts. Formally, informally, creatively, and conspicuously teach God's truth to your children with passion and persistence. You know, it takes a large, number four, and I'll end with this, it takes a large crew to pour concrete walls. Just put it to you this way. Can you imagine you yourself putting all the concrete walls up, putting everything in, doing all the pouring? It takes a lot of people. Though parents are the ones held responsible, and I've seen families and people do this, don't do it alone. They try to do it outside the church. Be involved in church and with Christian families. Have that help and that support along the way. Yes, it's ultimately your responsibility. And fathers, your responsibility to, to see it through to make it successful. But if you're going to have a family for God, you're going to have to do all these things. All of them, consistently, constantly. With the pianist coming, heads bowed, and eyes closed. We're considering many things as we talk about the family and focus in on it and how to build it. We talked about clearing basically the land, the glory of God. Spread that out. And even more, as you go along, spread it out even more. Your home can only be as big is what you clear out and dig down and set it on. Increase the glory, the intent to just give God the glory. Don't give Him a piece, give it all. Then to realize God made you capable, God made you special. You don't have to compare, you don't have to get drugged down with all these things of the world that they tell you and how to be successful in all these things. You are successful if you follow God. He is the one who will make you successful. Then we talked about the walls, the pouring in of God's Word, the very place where everything's going to sit upon now. The outside forms you as parents, true, real, and strong and dependable. But the children will see that. The children will at first see the concrete, the basic parts, the Bible stories, the things, but then they all need to be carefully tied together. Doctrine, teaching, application, all that needs to be added as it grows, becomes a solid foundation wall to build upon. Amen. Hopefully I'm 
And the Lord is able to give you some pictures in your mind and uh, strengthen your hearts and your thoughts and um, work in you to do these things. They're not easy. <laughs> Serving God's not easy, but man, is it fulfilling. It can't be done haphazardly. It needs to be done purposefully and strongly. And there's some good examples I've seen in here. We can be examples to each other, too. Be accountable one to another to, to raise our families right. Um, now I'm with this. Abby had a teacher who's invited her to Bible study who can't seem to find that there's any church that really teaches the Word of God right. Well, that'll just kind of tell you something there. There's a group of people. It's been good for her to go because it's interesting. I believe it sounds like these people have a heart to want to know what the Word of God says. But they're inept. They see this, which is true, and this, which is true, but they don't have things tied together right. And so they're off into different thoughts, and they're just bouncing all around. Abby was, in her heart, she, she didn't have the scriptures right off, and to tell you the truth, she's, she's wise. They might not really want to hear it from a girl to the lady who's having it, who's what, maybe 60 years old? Might not be, might not be what they want to hear. I'm just telling you, it's really important, these foundation walls. It's really important, like what Mike is teaching, and, and, and I tell you, some of you, it's going to be like, Whew. Some of you, I got it, but then down the road, I don't got it again. I got to go back and try to get it again. That's all normal. It's all right. Mike, is, Mike isn't pounding down on you like you should know this. He's just explaining this and get what you can out of it. Don't run away from it. Do not run away from it. I maybe will talk a little bit next week about how our mind thinks and how we think and how it can hinder us as a Christian. Um, but anyway, just want to encourage you in the Lord today, all these things that we can do for our family, what it's going to take. It ain't easy. The world's going to fight you on it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for each family here, Lord. Pray for each one, Lord, as they endeavor to serve you in their lives and endeavor to teach the children how to serve you and to be real for God, to enjoy the blessings of God, to feel God, to, to understand God, to be encouraged in God, to give God the glory, to show people the glory of God. That's what we were made to be. Anything less than that is less than what God intended for us. And it's our choice. So Father, help us to make the right choices. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed.